Millennial Man Podcast, podcastforcdc.com. I am your host, Darby Kulik, and with me today, after we sat down for a tense negotiation on rights and catchphrases and all that other stuff, we welcome back the greatest other host, Ty Kulik. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everybody. Yeah, I, totally. You and I were totally in, in Boston, a uh, standoff. Um, <laughs> no, I'm doing good. I, if it sounds like I have a cold, it's because I'm getting over it. So sorry about my voice here, but it's not COVID, just a cold this time around, but doing good it's been it's been a long break yeah and i don't mean to take uh it was it was because of vacations and travel and tennis and all sorts of things which is why it really was that i mean i can't give you a pay raise when we're being paid nothing but uh hint hint (laughs) patreon so i usually do this rant at the at the end but i'm gonna do it here because i also recently was under the weather and part of it i took for just a travel trip things like that but I thought, was it COVID? No. But I don't know if you guys have noticed that New York City was orange and that incredibly terrible wildfire, which got in Canada, which got less news coverage than idiotic billionaires crushing themselves in a crappy submarine because we care more about that, it seems. But that uh, smoke and haze and stuff has been here in Cincinnati, Ohio for about a week. Oh. So our first full day of summer, it was a high of like 68 degrees and just a gray haze over the city. Nah. So. It's been hot in St. Louis, but I, I heard because I, I was talking to a parent from the school my kids go to and they said strep throat went around. Wasn't strep. So but yeah, there's there's all kinds of weird stuff happening right now. So that's why my voice sounds like yeah. this. Well, sultry is what I'll tell everybody. Yes, that's right. It's radio voice. That's that's the term we use. So, Ty, I wanted to talk about music. It's been a while since we've gotten together, so I figured I'd hit it big with music here, and specifically one-hit wonders, but specifically even a weird niche category of one-hit wonders that songs that famous actors, like every actor we're going to talk about, is well known on here for one thing or another, who had a, a song that charted or a song that was made made the uh, top of uh, whatever, top Billboard. 100. Yeah, Billboard 100. There is actually one person that I am going to talk about at the end of the first half here that I don't believe they ever charted, but there's a real reason I want to talk about them because I'm going to divide this into serious music, like people who seriously maybe could have had a musical career because not only were these songs big, but to this day, people still talk about them and then the second half i'm going to talk about how david hasselhoff ended the cold war with music and oh yeah and ended the cold war (laughs) i know that song so that's what i want to tell everybody too is that i don't know what songs you're going to talk about but when you said one hit wonders at first Mm -hmm. i thought you were talking about like chumbawamba and tub thumping and stuff like that but no this is i don't i don't know what you're going to bring at me today and i i'm going to tell you there's going to be one particular artist i talk about in this first half that you and everybody's going to be like there's no way he could have had a serious music career but i'm going to explain why i put him in this part okay but the the one and that i just got to start off with this is the the quote-unquote goat of artists who made music and it's even more amazing that another song never that we never heard from him as a musician again but i'm going to play a little bit of the the song here and then we're going to talk about it The incredible Eddie Murphy and Party All the Time, which made it to number two on the Billboard charts in 1985. I didn't even know that song had other lyrics than my girl. Because I didn't know what song that was at first until <laughs> yeah. it got to the chorus. Yeah, and I don't know if you heard it in there, but there's a lyric where he says diamonds on her finger. And you hear Rick James, who wrote and produced this song, uh-huh. really quietly in the background go, diamonds on a finger. Uh, I, I heard him say finger. <laughs> yeah. I will say, like, that song is corny as as it can be but that's a pretty rad synth line that they had in that song i mean rick james for all his faults and everything he was a solid musician mm-hmm. i have to give him that according to legend the whole reason this song was made 
is that Richard Pryor made a bet with Eddie Murphy, bet him $100,000 that he could not do a legitimate song, do a real song. I mean, number two. <laughs> yeah. So Eddie Murphy, the he had recorded music before. The song he had recorded a few years earlier that was out was called Boogie in Your Butt. He had dabbled nice. in music. But in a lot of ways, and people are going to bring this up, they're going to talk about like Adam Sandler. And his music, mm. or Steve Martin and stuff like uh, King Tut or things like that. I'm not counting these. I, those are kind of weird novelty. Or even people who sing songs for movies, like Anna Kendrick had, a, I think it was a number one hit. From a song, yeah, from a song that she did from, what was it, Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect. Right. So yeah. I'm not covering those. These are legitimate songs, okay? These are legitimate mm. songs that people put out on records, were distributed, but party all the time is the one that I think everyone remembers, mainly because, look, Eddie Murphy still has a very successful career, but yeah. he's not putting out number two music anymore. No, and, and that song, yeah, I feel like, is such of its time. Like, that's an 80s or 90s song, whenever that song came out, and it has that feel, it has that synth, it has Rick James' stank all over it, or whatever you want to call it, but that synth line, the synth was dude. <laughs> I mean, Duran Duran could have done something with that as well. So I'm going to move on here. Like artists in general, I mean, actors especially, you have to know how to do a lot of things. And if you talk about somebody like Eddie Murphy, he started out young as a comedian and then got a big break with Saturday Night Live and just had the pure charisma to be a movie star. He dabbled in music. We're going to talk about this a lot with a lot of these artists. He'll dabble in music here. Because as an artist, you do have to do a lot of different things. You Sometimes you have to sing, you have to dance, you get you're not the best dancer, you're not the best singer, but you can still do it. The best that comes to mind is, uh, I remember my wife telling me she went to go see Mama Mia in New York with her parents. Her mother is a big fan, as am I, as every human being should be in the Meryl Streep Mama Mia movie. She's okay as a singer in that movie. You put sure. her up against Pierce Brosnan, she looks great. You put her up against Christine Baranski, who's a real trained former mm -hmm. Broadway singer, you can see the weaknesses. <laughs> or Amanda Seyfried. Oh, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, you go into the next one, the Mamma Mia 2, where, what's her name, Lily James plays her daughter. Yeah, she plays young Meryl yeah. Streep. And she's she plays young Meryl Streep. Right, an incredible yeah. singer. But I remember my wife said, her mom said, when they saw Mama Me in New York, she's like, wow, that lead singer was way better than Meryl Streep. And she's like, yes. <laughs> she yeah. Is. But I bring all this up because Tracy Ullman, who has had a long career, pops up in things every now and then. Everybody's like, oh, there's Tracy Ullman has won. She was the best part of the last season of Curve uh, that they did. Yeah. She, she was amazing in that. Tracy Ullman brought us The Simpsons. Okay, yep. he did. <laughs> in, in a lot of the same ways that Lucille uh, Ball brought us Star Trek. It's I mean, this is mm -hmm. what it is. But early in her career, I guess just trying to get out, there's an old song called They Don't Know. And uh, it was recorded by this woman, Kirstie McCoyle. It's, uh, I, it was, I don't even think it was a hit. It was like moderately known. But Tracy Ullman, in starting her career, decided to put out this record and put out this album, which again reached number, it reached number two in the UK, number eight in the US. And I'm going to play wow. you a little bit of this. So what are your thoughts on that? I like it sounds like Jenny Lewis to me. Like I, <laughs> I can totally get it's like a mix of Jenny Lewis and a more subdued Cindy Lauper, I guess is what I'd say. I could fully get behind that. This was again, this was early. This is 1983. So early in Tracy Ullman's career. And it is a very beginning of um, MTV. Like I encourage people, if you've never heard this song, go watch the video. Okay. It's, it's a story. And it's basically her in the 50s doo-wop or whatever, falling in love with a bad boy or something like that. And it cuts to okay. the end of her pregnant with a kid looking miserable. And he 
living in a, or working in a grocery store. And at the very, very awesome. end, she's imagining herself with Paul McCartney, who's in the video driving away. That's awesome. <laughs> the, I love everything about that. One of the, one of the leads of MTV saw this video and was like, oh, this person's great, and invited Tracy Ullman, who no one in the U.S. knew, to come do a week as a VJ on MTV. And then the uh, her production or her music company rushed the single out there, and I guess she did such a good job. An up-and-coming little network called Fox was looking for programming and mm-hmm. asked her to come in. And again, you hear her talk about this all the time, and the only time she brings up her music career is about how mad she is at Culture Club for keeping her from number one. <laughs> but never really had any major music or anything afterwards. I could fully get behind that song. I like, you know, my wife and I talk about this all the time. I love Buddy Holly. I think Buddy's great. And she's like, oh, 50s music. I love that sound that comes mm-hmm. from that. So I'm, again, it reminds me of Jenny Lewis, who I adore as well. So I could fully, fully get behind this. And Tracy Ullman is a genius. And I feel like the way people talk about Lucille Ball, they need to talk about Tracy Ullman the same way because our mom might think this is ridiculous and totally wrong. But I feel like they're similar just from different eras. Yeah. In business or show business or whatever you want to call it. Tracy Ullman is, you know, our generations know her, obviously, and she's always still around and things like that. But she built the foundation of the Fox Television Network. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. Not, not Fox News, but the Fox Television no. <laughs> Network. And she gave, uh, what do they say in that Simpsons episode, uh, a struggling alcoholic, a uh, little bit of a break <laughs> yeah. with his crudely drawn figures. Yeah. Get and- out of my <laughs> office. <he says>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I barely remember the Tracy Ullman show, but oh, anybody yeah. who does voices on the Simpsons, that's where they all came from. Yep. And they, except for Yardley Smith, she did The Simpsons, then went on to do Herman's Head. But, uh, Herman, yep. And they even make a joke about Herman's Head <laughs> and The Simpsons later. Boy, a, a joke that Lisa Simpson does. Yes. By Smith. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're right. I don't think Tracy Ullman gets the kind of credit. Everybody knows who she is, but it's like, you don't know the power. And here it is right here. She could have started or could have just had a music career. But, and so. again, I implore you people, if you, have any interest or knowledge of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I think is one of the greatest shows ever. She is incredible in the most recent season. I mean, it is an amazing performance by her. She is the most (laughs) despicable person I think I've ever seen on that show before. I'm going to talk about Jamie Foxx here, okay? Yeah, Jamie, he's a very yes. good musician, or singer, I should say. Not yes, musician. he performed when he won the Oscar for Ray, and uh, Ray Charles was alive when he was doing that movie, did the performances himself, uh, was it Any Given Sunday, there's a whole thing about him mm-hmm. having a music career. Willie he, Beeman. Yes. <laughs> he's yeah. got the ladies, uh, I don't know if I can say that on this podcast, what he says in that song. Well, and that's, <laughs> we're going to continue along that line of Jamie Foxx maybe not saying what he should be saying. The song I'm talking about is called Blame It, all right? Now, I'm going to play you a little bit of it. I'm going to ask you what you think this song is about. What is Blame It about, Ty? <laughs> I, it, it, I got very uh, Baby It's Cold Outside vibes. From yes. So, okay. <laughs> it's a, the subtitle of the song is On the Alcohol, and it's all about yeah. the woman's easy because she's drinking. <laughs> oh, boy. And he's asking her what she wants to drink and how, how is he going to drink or whatever, or how, what's she going to drink and how he's going to get her drunk and then start touching up on her butt. Yeah. And it's a uh, T Pain is in this song a little, mm-hmm. a little bit later on, but so uh, this song also peaked at number two on the Billboard chart. 
I remember when that song came out because I know that that chorus of it. It released early 2009. Far and away, Jamie Foxx's most successful song. But again, we're not talking about that long ago. But this is the thing I implore everybody to do. Go watch the first minute of this video, okay? It's framed up as like they're a bunch of cool dudes are going to the club, all right? And it's Jamie Foxx and there's uh, T-Pain. And uh, God, I think it's a couple of other hip hop artists. And then there's Forrest Whitaker. Nice. Samuel Jackson. Okay. And Ron Howard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, I mean. They're all getting out. They're all getting out of the limo and doing the slow walk into the club. And there's Ron Howard. (laughs) Well, I mean, let us not forget that Jamie Foxx started out as a comedian. So I'm sure it's a joke. And I just recently watched uh, Idiocracy again for like the 12th time. And. Maybe Ron Howard was their version of the guy who was hanging out with Upgrade at the beginning of that, <laughs> that movie. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, <laughs> God bless Ron Howard. I mean, well, and it's funny too, like with Jamie Foxx, he's definitely more of that like neo soul thing. And yeah. he, while he's a solid performer, like Eric Badu, Jill Scott, all of them are so much better at that style of music than Jamie Foxx is. I think yeah. when he releases music, he released it at the right time, but he just doesn't have the. I mean, Jill Scott is a powerhouse, so he just doesn't have that type of pull that she has. But I don't like the movie Any Given Sunday, and we can talk about that at any mm. time. But when they show that video of him singing, like that song <laughs> is the biggest earworm, I think. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Al- Oliver Stone bad-mouthing John Wick Ford recently. It's like, dude, go yeah, watch Any God. Given Sunday and tell me that you make better movies than that. But anyway, that, yeah. that Willie Beeman song is hilarious. The other reason I bring this up, too, is he won a Grammy for this song. Really? <laughs> yes. Best R&B uh, performance by a duo or group with vocals. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's uh, He's got an Oscar and a Grammy. He's yeah. He's an Emmy and maybe he has an Emmy for the J.B. Fox show. I say, I yeah. Know. I mean, and just do a guest appearance on something. You'll get your damn yeah, Emmy totally. and then just do a <laughs> one man show on Broadway and there's there's your ego like like Tracy Morgan in 30 Rock. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's a song I had not thought of in forever. No, and it's interesting too because T-Pain's having like this resurgence. He was on that episode of This Is Pop that was about auto-tune and I was like fascinated to hear him talk and then again people, if you haven't listened to Under the mm-hmm. Covers yet, it's awesome. Oh, it I is. Mean, it's great. Does, he does war picks. <laughs> he does a Black Sabbath song and it rips. It's awesome. That record rules. Eddie Murphy, Tracy Ullman, Jamie Foxx. These are all people that had hits, went out there, made, regardless of what we think, if they're goofy songs or whatever, but they made the word you used is earworm. They made songs that people still talk about today, but they just decided not to have a music career. Yeah, so and they're all very successful in what they, they're chosen. For right. Uh, in the case of Jamie Foxx, he'll drop a song or be somewhere every now and then. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, This was just a one-and-done type thing. And then you have actors who go into music and think they're serious. People like Russell Crowe. Like Russell Crowe? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Just real quick, the name of his band, 30-odd foot or feet of grunt. (laughs) (laughs) Ridiculous. And, like, Russell Crowe is problematic, but he's a Michigan fan, and I want to support him, but I can't because he's just a crazy dude. This first one, it it saddens me to actually talk about this because he's obviously been one of the bigger actors of my lifetime. That's Bruce Willis. And what's going on with him, health and stuff now is absolutely tragic. Doesn't he have like Alzheimer's now, too? Yeah. And he's like six. Or dementia or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And it's it's uh, it sucks. It's a terrible, terrible thing. But. Early on, when Bruce Willis first came out, like you, you're probably t- even too young to be to remember this, but he came out of moonlighting and he was this swarmy little, like, kind of frat guy, a comic strip I used to always read as a kid, uh, Bloom County, which is still out today. There's oh, this yeah. frat boy lawyer named Steve Dallas. That's what Bruce Willis had that thing for. And he, he did moonlighting. Moonlighting was a huge hit. He ended up getting cast in Die Hard. And I remember thinking, that dude. He's not going to work at all. But he did because he still kind of had that smarminess to him. And then he decided he was an action star, not a comedian. But between the comedy and the action star, he decided he was a blues musician. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think I have a vague recollection of him putting out like a harmonica record or something. Yes. So <laughs> right. he went out and did this serious, went out to do this serious full album. He had uh, Booker T. Jones on it, the Pointer Sisters, some of the Temptations. He wow. went out there, this, this blues album called The Return of Bruno. And he did, it was mostly covers. I think it was all covers. But the number one peaked at, or his number one single peaked at number five on the Billboard charts was a cover of Respect Yourself. Are you ready for this, Ty? I mean, I don't know (laughs) if I could ever be ready for this. Better than the original? No. So, <laughs> again, I don't mean to speak ill of the sick at all. What's happening to him is is bad. But this is our oldest brother. When he calls stuff like cheesy music, he calls it Velveeta. That's mm-hmm. what this is. Mm-hmm. This is this reeks of that 90s overproduced blues where blue. the whole thing with blues is like it's supposed to be grimy and dingy and as low produced as possible because that's what blues music is. This is overproduced <laughs> garbage and it, it reminds me of a, so much 90s blues that I've tried to listen to and I can't get into because it's just so corny. And this is, again, I like Bruce Willis. I like him a lot. I don't care for his music. Yeah, there's a old onion where it said, old white man enjoys and causes the blues. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's perfect. <laughs> that's, uh, I, I love this because <laughs> the reception of it was kind of like, yeah, it's okay. People Magazine gave the album a B plus and quote said Willis's cover of Under the Boardwalk was surprisingly okay. <laughs> that is the most People Magazine quote ever. They give it a B plus and say it's surprisingly okay. Like, come on. Yeah, and then he followed it up with another album called If you, If I Don't If It Don't Kill You, It Just Makes You Stronger. And then in 2001, he released Classic Bruce Willis, the Universal Master Collection. He's released. <laughs> Three records. <laughs> well, I a think, master collection. I think the the 2001 is those two albums plus his Bartles and James commercials. <laughs> oh my god! Do you think that maybe there's just a little part of him before he got sick where he thought that this was all a joke and like he was just putting it out there to mess with people? You know, part of me thinks there's a whole Garth Brooks, Chris Gaines thing. Oh my god! <laughs> Did you hear that Chris Gaines will be coming back? That's right. You know what? God's <laughs> bless Garth Brooks because a hundred percent might yeah. as well lean into it. So. Yeah, no. I, well, and also he supports Bud Light and that whole thing mm-hmm. because I know there's a whole issue with that. And also when in Detroit he wore a Barry Sanders jersey and all these crazy alt right people are saying, "Why are you wearing a Bernie Sanders shirt for?" And he was like, "I'll support whoever I want to support." So mm-hmm. more more props to Garth Brooks. So I'm going to end this half because this is supposed to be the people that could have had a music career. And I'm transitioning from thought they had a music career to just pure and utter delusion. And that's Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, yeah. I forgot he had a band. <laughs> he had this uh, this band called the Boxmasters. All right. Oh, God, I didn't even know he had a band. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton, again, problematic dude, but a great actor. No, no absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to play you a bit of this, and then I'm going to talk about his delusion. We know a sparkling ahead, honey, I thought I'd give you a call. Looking for tomorrow to be sunny in the midst of this snowfall. I let you and the kids down for way too long now. Hoping to turn our life around if I can just figure out how. Working on a plan to save our home, keep us out of the poor house, pay off those loans. That is uh, the Boxmaster's uh, seminal classic, Poor House, which sounds is like... Is that a bit? <laughs> well, <laughs> that that's the thing. So this sounds like... Because with all of these people, I mean, even Jamie Foxx, you can tell his voice in there. Tracy Ullman, yeah. who, when she's saying the original singer is there essentially backing her, but you can still yeah. hear her voice. This sounds like Billy Bob Thornton is in some Coen Brothers movie doing 100%. A, a part or something well but, in in the ballad of buster scruggs tim blake nelson sings a country song on the back of a horse that's yes, what that reminds me yes of. but no this is 100 serious even to the point of 
I can't remember whose radio show he was on, but they kept asking him about if his music career was just a side hustle or something like that. And he's like, w- would you ask Tom Petty that? Would you ask? Tom Petty's, <laughs> <laughs> Tom Petty's a legit musician. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the guy that he played in the Fargo TV show, the Bad Santa, his character in Bad Santa would hate this guy. That's nuts. It was oh, it was on. Uh, it was a radio host. I think it's Jan Gomeshi. I can't. I'm, uh, I'm sorry if I said it wrong, but no. He if you go, it's like a fa- it went viral. The interview where he's just really belligerent, and he said later on he was mad because he said, "Don't ask me about my movie career." He just wanted to talk about music, and it's like, dude, you're not what? a musician. No, you're a movie star. <laughs> like what? You're Sling Blade, bro. Like, that's yeah. what I want to talk about. Yeah, the dude won a damn Oscar, okay, for writing that movie. He's been nominated multiple times. He was in the first season of Fargo. Speaking of yeah. Coen Brothers, but it's... Uh, he was excellent in the first season yeah. of Fargo. He was, he was great. Uh, he's what, There's two people I like and love, actually. It's him and Bill Knight. And that's just <laughs> because he's playing a slimy politician. Yeah. I mean, he's the president of that, but like... You took me to see Sling Blade when I was a kid, and that began my love affair with indie movies. It's because of his performance. Look, I said all these people, they all charted. I, the Box Masters have never charted. Thank goodness. At least people didn't listen to that nonsense. I would love to meet like a Box Masters super fan. Like My wife had a former coworker who was really into Constantine Marulis for all my American Idol fans out there. Or people who listen to this like American Idol, like I want to meet somebody who's into the box masters like this lady was into Constantine. Hello, all this is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, She's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because she talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Uh, Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week and... It's an incredibly great conversation, and if you're interested or know anybody that may be on high heels in politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, those were, including Billy Bob Thornton and the Boxmasters, those were the people that thought about, okay, I'm a good actor, I'm going to go become a musician. While we were breaking here, you'd brought up Donald Glover. And he was one I'm like, oh, I should easily put him on this list. But someone like him, like, was he a musician first or an actor first? And I know everybody's going to say he's on (laughs) Community first, but... He was a writer first. Right, exactly. Yeah, He's one of these really rare, rare talents that I think straddles the line between both. Well, I mean, you go back and listen to his his last, one of his last records, Awaken My Love. That record's, like, legitimately amazing. Yeah. He's, He's a very good artist. Nobody I talked about is has got music like that. So nope. that's why I kind of didn't go that way. And I know people will bring up, we brought up people like Anna Kendrick and Lily James and Amanda Seyfried and things like that. These are people that were legitimate musicians, okay? Yeah. They, the, I am talking about the actors who were not legitimate musicians <laughs> and t- tried their hat at it. Some of it's successful. And w- what I talk about here in the second half, a lot of these people were extremely successful, but Ooh. you're going to be downright shocked that they were successful. Okay. I'm not going to play all the songs in this one. I might put a clip in here or there, but I, most of this is because a lot of these you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I was on the Distraction podcast. They always like remember a sports guy. That's what these are. These are remember this song. And then you're going to okay. be like, wow, well, that was successful. I want to start with the show 90210. 
Okay. Now, the show started, they were in high school, and then they went off to college. And they took this guy who was part of this band called The Heights, and they decided to make this show called The Heights. That was going to be a spinoff of 90210. And one of the uh, actors who was in 90210 is going to kind of be the bridge. This is a guy named Jamie Walters. He was like a musician dating Tori Spelling, stuff like that. And they had this song, How Do You Talk to an Angel? And it's your oh, typical, yeah, song. typical cheesy, yeah. like, how do you talk to an oh, angel? See, I'm going to say not do all that stuff. I just say you should have just done that the whole <laughs> yeah. podcast instead of putting in clips. And the, the song became a big hit. It won, I think it won an Emmy. There's like an Emmy for like songs or things like that. Here's where okay. the problem is. Okay. So in 90210, Jamie Walters character at one time has mm. having to fight with Tori Spelling and pushes her down the stairs. Oh God. <laughs> it becomes Jeez. this, it becomes this whole, is he an abuser? And the fans turned against him and turned against the song. The song was number one for one week and then it fell off the charts like a rock after that episode. Wow. Wow. I mean, this show was on before social media was even a thing. So I wonder, uh-huh. like, uh-huh. I wonder, I watched this show, the other two. It's a really good show people should watch. But they, the kid in it is like a famous pop star. And he just he's going through a thing right now where he's kind of like a bad boy and everybody hates him. And this is it's very similar to what you're talking. So I wonder if the writers of that watch 90210 when they were yeah, younger. And he continued <laughs> to do music through the 90s and all, but people just turned against him as a person. They equated equated his character with his real life persona. If you go look at his filmography, he's got 90210 and then he in 96 and then 99 he has something called to serve and protect for two episodes then 2001 some show called dead last never heard of and then it jumps to 2019 and some oh my god <laughs> there's an 18 year gap like that's not good for anybody he's, he decided in 2002 to get away from all the stuff and today he's a firefighter and a paramedic Good for him. At least he found his passion. But could you imagine? I mean, that's just uh, you know, so wild. Talk, well, we talk about like being pigeonholed also and like John Heater, but he's pigeonholed for something like every I've never met a person who doesn't like Napoleon Dynamite. So I couldn't imagine coming across someone being like, oh, how do you feel about what Jamie Walter or whatever his character's name was? And just to hear them rip this poor guy to shreds. That would be a drag. Somebody uh, said that Florida fascist Ron DeSantis is like Napoleon Dynamite with none of the charm. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Wishes he was a tenth as cool as Napoleon Dynamite is. Wanted to bring up that story just because it's always blown my mind when I've I've heard about it. Yeah, totally. And I mean to take you he took time out. That's mental health stuff right there. Yes, yes. So going back to the nineteen eighties though, and things like Bruce Willis was, hey, I've got a hit show. I like blues music. I'm gonna decide to do this. Well, Miami Vice, the original Miami Vice TV show, was just oozing with style and you would have mm-hmm. Like Glenn Fry was a regular guy on that show. There's a great, there's a great like three minute YouTube video of people who were on Miami Vice for like one episode. And it nice. will blow your mind if you watch it. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the EGOT, that's where uh, uh, Tracy Morgan wanted to get it because of Philip Michael mm. Thomas or whatever. Yeah. I don't think ever got it. But the, there was a lot of my point is a lot of musicians attached to Miami Vice and a lot of music that came out of it. So Don Johnson figured, hey, why can't I do it? Kenny Powers dead, you mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Don Johnson's another one. The dude shows up in something. You're like, that's Don Johnson. And he's awesome. Again, a problematic character, and he's found it down, but he is incredible, and he's found it down. <laughs> yeah, so, well, he decided in 1986 to release an album called Heartbeat. And oh, boy. <laughs> Please tell me it's like R&B or something. That'd no, be hilarious. No, Okay. 80s power rock. The, the title uh, track reached number five. It is. It's just just pure 80s raw power. Just hair, it, like not hair metal. You, we're going to do, we're going to define music genres on one of these podcasts. That's something I've been thinking of because I want to know okay. what is yacht rock and what is hair rock. This sits between. Yacht rock is hauling oats. 
Hair Rock is poison. Say, there, I did it for this you. This sits right between. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. This is so okay. <laughs> that's what Heartbeat is. All and, right. And if you look at it, you go look at his album, and it's like uh, Heartbeat written by Wendy Waldeman. Okay. And next one written by Bill LeBounty. These may be very, very famous dudes. And then fourth track, Lost in Your Eyes, written by Tom Petty. Oh my God! Tom Petty wrote music for Doc Johnson. <laughs> Side two, wow. Star eight, Star uh, Song eight, Star tonight. Bob Seger. Oh my God! <laughs> so it's funny too because talk about the Simpsons all the time. Tom Petty when Homer goes to rock and roll camp and Tom Petty is showing them how to be a songwriter, but he has the guitar that's acoustic on one side and electric on the other. I wonder if he did that when he was writing music for Don Johnson. <laughs> Flipped over to his electric guitar side. My girl likes to party. My girl likes to rock. Those are the first two lines. And Homer's like, woohoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said I, I thought of this, or I came up with this podcast when I was on vacation. My wife and I were going through checking out all the all the different songs of the 1980s and everything. And we came across the song, She's Like the Wind, from the Dirty Dancing oh, soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Very, She's like the wind. I know yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, see, you sing as well as I do. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm great. <laughs> the wild, and I mean wildest thing about this song. So this song was sung by the star of Dirty Dancing, the male lead, Patrick Swayze. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. And as far wow. as I know, it is the only song he's ever recorded. No way. <laughs> I figured he would have done something on the Roadhouse soundtrack or no, Point Break or no, something like that. No, it was wow. it okay. went to number three on the Billboard charts. He like talked to other producers about songs and things like that, but never really had anything. Wow. Yeah. So I, I think I, he's been again, on a I couple just, of other like backing vocals on songs no, or duets yeah. or things like that. But this this was a, a single by Patrick Swayze on a lot of people. When you look at the 10 best movie soundtracks of all time, Dirty Dancing comes up. And I mean, it sits, a, a lot of it is some older music with some newer music, but like there's Be My Baby on there and the song Stay, but then there's also Hungry Eyes and I've Had the Time in My Life. And then just, Time in My Life, that's yeah, when I think Just of. sitting right in there, She's Like the Wind, Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's great! Like I, again, because I just would have assumed he was ripe to do a, a blues style song for Roadhouse. But I guess the more we get away from Patrick Swayze, may he rest in peace as well. Maybe he was a lot smarter than people gave him credit mm-hmm. for. Maybe he knew I only got to do this once, and I don't ever have to do it again. No, he's uh, another just podcast I have is like the the best actors to never even be like nominated for an Oscar. He had a signature role in obviously Dirty Dancing, and then in Ghost, he was signature. You talk about, I mean, look, Roadhouse isn't winning any Oscars until they put a no. Best it's throw. a B movie. It's yeah. like one of the greatest B movies ever, <laughs> right, right? But he you know, just this guy who point break dude yes well Him and Keanu. <laughs> i can never think of the name i could never name my child Bodie because of point break <laughs> but no yeah it just it's one of these weird anomalies that always whenever i hear that song and i just remember oh yeah patrick swayze saying this and it's like the only song he ever did that's wild again yeah. more credit to him maybe he knew that's all he had to do and he did it and i think you said it reached number five or something good for him all right, so we said good stuff about a dude. Now we're going to talk massive trash about a dude. Okay. I was having this discussion with a friend the other day, and we were talking about like cheesy action movies from the 1980s. And I was bringing up canon films, and I was talking about like how all the American Ninja movies and Chuck Norris movies and all these things. And I'm like, you know, they weren't yep. great by any means, but I would watch them. And then I said, you know who I just won't watch? I, the only movie I think I've ever given a damn about him in was uh, Executive Decision, Steven Seagal. And it's because never... he, oh, yeah, he dies oh. like 10 minutes in. But I go, and plus, you know, all Steven Seagal movies are supposed to have three words in it. Executive Decision only has two, so I don't call it a Seagal movie. But I'm like, <laughs> okay. Seagal's trash. Jean-Claude Van Damme is awesome. And I'm like, you know, I like Jean-Claude okay. Van Damme movies. But Seagal, not only is Steven Seagal a trash person, a trash actor. I encourage everybody. I think it's like two or three parts. The dollop did on Steven Seagal. He is an awful, awful human being. He's a horrible person. Absolutely horrible person. But you want to talk about somebody that is beyond delusional. So have you ever heard of songs from the crystal cave? No. No, And I get, by the way, you're bringing it up. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thankfully, I don't know about it. <laughs> so this is Steven Seagal's debut album. All right. Oh, debut album. So it means he has more than one. Yes. And if you go look at the uh, album cover, it's him like slightly stroking the guitar sensually with some weird, you know, big blue gem uh, ring on it and things like that. Does he have a does he have a robe on his signature kimono <laughs> that he wears? He, he may. It's all kind of blended. But this is how he described it. The style is, quote, outsider country meets world music meets Aikido. What is Aikido? <laughs> is a, that karate? It's a martial art. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, this guy. He's the worst. The album I mean, feat- <laughs> Yes. It's got to be awful. The uh, album features uh, a mix of musical genres, including rock, country, and reggae. Oh my God. So he's. <laughs> he's cultural appropriating things you know who probably loves this album is chet hanks who (laughs) culturally appropriates everything though he was on the eric andre show too hats off to eric andre for just roasting him the whole time he was on the only good thing i can say about this album and i i'm not even going to play any of the music on it it's it's unlistenable but stevie wonder provides a harmonica backing on the songs uh, St- I mean, Stevie Wonder <laughs> probably had no idea who he's doing it for. They probably just told him, hey, you'll make money. Okay. <laughs> That's yeah. a drag, man. Why would he think he's not even a good actor? Why does he think he's a good musician? I don't know. He He's uh, used in some of his later movies that he makes with the help of Russia or something like that. He does the he does the music for them. But uh, it's like terrible. Yeah. His songs from I can't remember. I already closed the thing on it, but something about the crystal. Why does he think he can do reggae music? <laughs> what? What is happening? He is. That's what I said. He is just. But again, just at, at least the return of Bruno was trying to honor blues music by bringing blue actual blues musicians and <laughs> helping Bruce I, Willis I out. Yeah, but yeah, this is this is just downright terrible. So trash. Yeah, absolute trash. I'm going to talk about David Hasselhoff. Okay. Now, we brought up about him eating his burger drunkenly and stuff like that. If that's the oh. worst thing about David Hasselhoff, fine. He yeah. He's supposedly not the easiest actor to work with, but he... I believe he's sober now, too. Yes, I think he that is. video kind of like shook him to his core. Yes, he is. And I often think about he has a small cameo role in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because it's who mm-hmm. Star-Lord always wanted his dad to be because he's stuck mm-hmm. in the mid-1980s because yep. that's when he was taken from Earth. I he also has it. a small walk-on role in a dodgeball. He coaches yes. the German dodgeball yeah. team in that. And <laughs> we're going to talk about Hasselhoff in Germany here in a moment. But he, uh, he, he seems to have embraced his Hasselhoff-ness. And Him I, and um, Michael Bolton. Yes. I feel like yes. are really, you know, taking their careers in stride. Now. And look, I always think about Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Spoiler alert when Yondu dies. And then the, <laughs> um, Star-Lord is saying something at his funeral. And he says, you know, I always wanted David Hasselhoff to be my dad because he hung out with beautiful chicks and drove a talking car. Yandu, you were kind of like David Hasselhoff. You were a good hundred percent. Yeah, totally, absolutely. <laughs> so y- you can see that. And yes, Knight Rider was a big deal. It's not as great as Night Boat, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it, nope. it was a big deal. And then Baywatch was a huge deal. And again, yeah. I keep telling people to go Google stuff. Go to YouTube. Type in Mike Piazza Baywatch. Mike Piazza? Yes. <laughs> so, I've been playing MLB The Show lately, and he's on that game, yes. so I'm going to have to Google this. Yeah. It is. I, I'm going to describe it, but my description doesn't do it justice. And I heard he was talking, uh, Piazza was on, I think, Dan Patrick recently, and he was talking about it, how it was during the baseball strike. And they he played for L.A. at the time, so yep. they were like, hey, his agent's like, do you want to do this walk-on part for Baywatch? And I kid you not, it's him. In his Dodgers jersey and like swimming trunks, but his full Dodgers jersey, swinging a bat on the beach, like taking just, <laughs> just <laughs> practice hacks on the beach. Yeah, and, <laughs> and Hasselhoff or Pamela Anderson or somebody like runs up and like you're Mike Piazza. <laughs> Does he have his glorious mullet while he's oh, taking yeah. practice hacks? Oh yeah, yeah. This is this night. is early early night. But that's one thing I'll say about MLB the show too is that when he's on that, props to those graphic people because he has you oh, can yeah. see the mullet when he comes up to bat and his mustache. 
His glorious, glorious mustache. Yeah. So Hasselhoff, going back to Guardians of the Galaxy 2, if you sit through the credits, and for a James Gunn movie, you have to because there's five uh-huh. like end credit scenes. I, I like James Gunn a lot. I love his movies. But man. They got to cool it with the end credits. it back. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you go through at the very, very end of the credits, there's Hassel, there's a Hasselhoff song. He sings a song okay. for, and if you yeah. have the soundtrack, it's on there. But he in the 80s had a music career, had a few albums oh, yeah. out there and stuff like that. But most famously, probably his most famous song ever is a song called Looking for Freedom. It's an English adaptation of a German song. Very, very famously. When the, the time when the Berlin Wall was coming down and stuff like that, he, there's this idea that Hasselhoff was a huge deal in Germany. There's an interview he did around the anniversary of the Berlin Wall falling where he's like, I only ever had two songs chart in Germany. But he's known <laughs> for being so famous, so popular, because uh, while people were celebrating the reunification, the wall was like half down. He is, again, this is audio, not media. media uh, this is uh, audio, not uh, not visual. But yep. he's in like a dolly crane over a crowd of probably 100,000 people just cheering like mad while he sings Looking for Freedom. It nice. is incredibly awe-inspiring <laughs> for such a cheesy – like when I said Heartbeat by Don Johnson is this just cheesy thing, this makes Heartbeat look like freaking Stairway to Heaven. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, but okay. he's remembered for this, and he, he's been very great. Like, look, I didn't reunify Germany. They asked me to play a song, and I happen to have 100,000 insane happy people because yeah. their freaking authoritarian <laughs> government's gone. But well, that's got to be like the Beatles coming to America for, for you know, people in Germany. They probably love David Hasselhoff. So right. But not? that's why I said there's this myth that he's like a huge star. Like, uh, what's his name? The guy that did the day the clown died. Uh, Jerry Lewis in France. Jerry Lewis oh, is yeah. honest to God, a huge star in France. David Hasselhoff was a two hit wonder in Germany. But he had hey, two he, more hits than I have. In you're Germany. right. But he <laughs> had that moment in time for the entire world to see. And mm-hmm. it was, I, I think it was actually at a New Year's Eve party, too. So okay. it, I tell people, it is one of these, like, incredibly inspiring moments. But when you listen to that song, you're like, yeah, I don't know. Well, and again, it's probably, that's the thing with me, with David Hasselhoff, is I get all the jokes and I've heard all the jokes about it and everything. I've never heard the song. I'm sure the song is like four minutes long. I haven't taken the four minutes to go listen to it or anything, so I don't know what it sounds like, but. Based off of context clues and how you're describing it, I'm sure it's of the time. I'm sure he's very much into it with his mullet as well, you know, <laughs> singing and having a good time. And I'm sure the people who love it unabashed. It's like the people in America here who like the rock band Nickelback. They're they're not afraid to tell people they like or people who like Dave Matthews band. They aren't afraid to tell people they like it and they love it and more power to them. I'm not going to yuck. I'm not here to yuck anybody's yum or anything. Good for you. It's not for me. It's how yeah. I it's yeah. how I go about it. Yeah, and it's I, I think I end on that one too because I think people when you talk about actors who are delusional about being musicians, they put Hasselhoff into that category. And yes, he's had a musical career, but I don't think he's like Billy Bob Thornton or even Bruce no, I, Willis. I mean, he he's still an actor. He's still he just yeah. he just has this incredibly iconic moment that now all of a sudden makes us think he's one of these hybrid people out there. Like, look, he's not Donald Glover, okay? <laughs> no, no. I don't think any of these artists would confuse themselves with that. Like I said, I feel like Michael Bolton and David Hasselhoff are at this point. I mean, Michael Bolton's doing funnier die videos mm-hmm. of him playing the Michael Bolton character in Office Space. Mm-hmm. I feel like Hasselhoff's the same way, and I think. It was his kid filming him drunkenly eating yeah. that burger that maybe mm-hmm. maybe turned his life around. Yeah. So, you know, it's unfortunate that it had to happen that way, but maybe that's a good thing that it happened. Yeah, and it's you bring up Funny or Die, kind of tangentially related. I could have easily made this whole thing about Lonely Island. 
Uh-huh. But, Flight of the Concords. Yeah. But again, I go back to the beginning. And look, I'm you go listen to a song like I just had sex. It's legitimately a good song. I, I <laughs> All mean, their songs are good, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm on a boat. Y'all, we oh, hell have, yeah. My my <laughs> wife has a cousin who says they play that in the clubs, dude. Yes. Yeah. It's about being on a boat. <laughs> Speaking of T Pain. T Pain's on that song too. <laughs> yes, yes. No, and but that's uh again, that is legitimately kind of uh a deal for them they're not it's not like i mean i have a feeling those three were doing music before they even got to saturday yeah, night Live. lonely island is like the rap version of adam sandler yeah like adam sandler is a legit good decent guitar player who can make funny songs yeah so that's why i didn't put these i really mm-hmm. wanted to put these when i i think of party all the time and think about okay yeah. what sits in that category <laughs> that's where these all are i will say with party all the time i love the fact that it's a bet between Two of the greatest comedians <laughs> to ever do it. Richard Pryor's like, you can't do that. I'll show you. And he does it. Yeah. Like, well, the, good for Eddie Murphy. Well, uh, Ty, if uh, they need you to go to when Putin's gone and you need to go sing a song <laughs> to all the people of Russia that is remembered for decades, where are they going to find you? Yeah, no, that'd be hilarious because <laughs> I'm a very mediocre guitar player and you all just heard me sing. Yeah, no, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Ty Kulik, T-Y-K-U-L-I-K, all lowercase. More importantly, come read my stuff on Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. Black Mirror came back. I wrote about that. This week was the NBA draft, and there's been a ton of trades. I've been doing that. So, And there's all kinds of other writing on there. Check that out, Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. You can hear me on this podcast. It's good to be back. That was a long break, so it's nice to be back. The Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Rate, review us, tell your friends about it. Check out our Patreon. I'm on, uh, I think, four or five episodes of Chucklehead Chat, hosted by my buddy Glenn Adams. You can find that wherever you get podcasts. And as always, as I like to end all these, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, we repeat all that. Seedsing.com, ex-millennial man. People, you said you were going to wait to for climate change to do damage. It's done damage forever, so start doing something. I'm yep. literally to the point now that I'm just, any politician I see, I just want to yell, do something. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just where we're it's, at. It's eerie for me because I took our father to see Blade Runner 2049 when it came out. And you see that orange hue in that, mo- in that movie. And it's like, oh, man, that's a bummer. It's eerie that in 2023, I saw that. Mm-hmm. A picture of that. Mm-hmm. That looked exactly like Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. And I just got back from Central California. Went from, uh, went from San Francisco to Lake Tahoe and all the way into crappy old Reno and all that stuff. <laughs> and the uh, eastern part of that state, there was snow in the mountains. And everybody's, oh, that, and I show people pictures. They're like, that's beautiful. I'm like, it's June. Yep. And that's not supposed to be that way. Shouldn't be there. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I was in Carson City, Nevada at an In-N-Out because, of course, I got to do that. And there's a no. I was making a comment about who had better garlic fries, the Dodgers <laughs> or the uh, this is last week. It's my wife and I complaining about being able to watch tennis in our Lake Tahoe resort. Now I'm talking about garlic fries in California. Oh my. So this is you are I'm going to rename this the white people problem podcast. <laughs> totally. That's <laughs> what we should call ourselves. But the guy, uh, the guy said to me, he said, uh, he's, he's like, oh, we were just kind of talking as a local. And I was like, how's the weather, Ben? He's like, look, we've needed the rain, but this has just been terrible. So, oh, wow. uh, okay. So anyway, with just all, do something. Yes. With all that being said, we thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the ex-millennial man podcast. Remember we're here every Saturday for free, wherever you find your fine podcasting shows. And I don't know. Did you tell me you had some new, uh, kickoff line or sign off line oh yeah uh stay fresh cheese cheese heads or something like that i gotta look that up i forgot (laughs) all right well we'll save it for next time talk to you next time take it easy The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSane.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.